All right, Charles. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on another episode of Riskology. I appreciate you taking time uh, to be here today. Thank you. So, Charles, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, a little bit about your background. Um, my background. I started off in risk management, doing safety inspections for insurance companies. So, loss prevention. Uh, traveled all over the place, looking at different things. And at first, I thought, man, this is really great. Something new every day. Um, after a couple of years, I started going, well, you know what? A restaurant, while it may be a different type of food, still kind of looks the same. Started falling into this, man, I don't know. Uh, talked to my boss. He said, well, hey, you need to become a manager. We want you to meet with underwriters, get a better sense of what they're looking for. Um, so I did that, and that's how I ended up in Oklahoma. Um, and what year was that? In December of 1999, my wife and my son and I moved to Oklahoma. Okay. Um, we, I, I met with underwriters in uh, Texas and Arkansas and Oklahoma and got a, a, a bigger sense of what all was possible within the risk management field. Um, and at that point, that's when I decided to get my ARM designation uh, and learned a lot through that course. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> gotcha. So do you, did you find that ARM designation to be beneficial at that point in your career? I, yes. I think it opened doors. Um, when I gained a lot of perspective from it, um, not only from what I learned in the books, but also applying it to the industry I was in. Um, at the time I did it, I worked for a company that managed uh, 26 nursing homes. So, um, and if you recall back at that point in time, it was a really rough industry uh, in Oklahoma at the time. I was unaware of it when I moved here um, because I was from Texas and it wasn't going on there. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got blindsided by it. I was like, well, it'll be a great opportunity. And it really was. Um, I learned a lot, but it was a very painful process um, for the company I worked for and everybody involved. Um, just, you know, a lot of litigation and a lot of allegations and all those things going on um, just made it uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. Did you find that you mentioned underwriter relationships during that time? Um, how beneficial were those relationships through that difficult process you mentioned? Uh, they were great because I was able to call and talk to them and go, hey, I know that, you know, I'm not working for you guys anymore, but what do you think of this? And I got honest feedback from them, or I believe I did, um, and it was very helpful. And they were good about reminding me, you know, hey, just because it's being said doesn't mean it's true. You know, don't, you just got to block out right. the noise right. and focus on really what's real and what's in front of you. Um, and that really got me through uh, that rough couple of years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and because of the, it, because of all the tumultuousness of it, uh, that's when I ended up applying here uh, at Mathis Brothers. Okay. And so that was in 99? No, that was the... in uh, 2003. 2003. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Mathis Brothers, just mm -hmm. really the size and scope of it. Um, I, you all have 17 locations, is that right? Or... Or growing? Yes, and growing. Okay. We're going to, at the beginning of next year, we'll have another store open in California, in okay. Irvine. 
Oh, is that at the marketplace? Yes. Okay, yeah. that's a cool area. Yes. Yeah, it's it's huge. I hadn't I hadn't seen an outdoor shopping center that big before. Yeah. How many square feet is that going to be? You know. I believe it's two hundred and twenty thousand square feet. Wow. It's just going to be showroom. We won't have a warehouse there. Okay. It'll be a separate distribution center for that. Have you built a, fac- a facility of that size or that, that type before? Or is it a different concept? It's a whole different concept. Usually we build standalone stores, not part of a shopping center. So this is pretty new for us. Uh, we've we've kind of have, a, we've built some sleep centers as part of shopping centers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in, in West Texas, in Lubbock. Um, and it's worked out well, so I think that's where they felt like it could still fit. Um, and it's a great area with a lot of traffic, so it should be, it should be good. That's great. So when when going into a new concept like that, what are some obstacles from just an insurance or risk management standpoint? Um, trying to really be able to foresee some of the risks that you're not used to having. Right. Um, traffic flow. Exitability, um, security, uh, staff safety. And those are the things that we looked at up front. Uh, luckily, with the marketplace, they've got a real good staff, and um, their risk management staff is great. So we've, I've been able to talk to them. They've given me a lot of good ideas and shared with me what some other tenants have done. Um, and also the folks at Lowe's have talked to me and shared what their experiences were. So we feel a little bit better. Right. I'm still a little nervous, but I don't think it's going to be a lot different than what we do in our standalone stores. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really good to have that collaboration and feedback from other people to, to help navigate that, yes. it sounds like. That, that's the thing I love about risk management. Wherever I am, people seem to be pretty free about what they're doing. Um, I've talked to other people who do different things, and they seem to be pretty private and want to hold all the information to themselves. Um, but it seems like everybody I meet in this field just happy. Oh, no, here's what happened, and this is what we did. Or here's what we did, yeah, learn from it. Like, oh, wow, that's awesome. So I don't have to repeat their mistakes. Yeah, you don't have to recreate the wheel, right? <laughs> yes. That, that's important. Uh, so with regard to Mathis Brothers, can you talk a little bit about the – just from the operation standpoint of, you know, like getting the furniture distribution and supply chain and um, what does supply chain management look like to you? And, and is there any risk management techniques that you use just from a vendor standpoint or, or what does that look like? Um, as, as far as uh, from a supply chain perspective, uh, we just spread the risk out. So we have multiple vendors. Um, we don't have... Uh, one that if one of them happens to have an issue um, with supply can't get wood whatever it may be we have multiple vendors so we will still have furniture to sell Um, I think our biggest risk might be if Ashley furniture had a supply chain issue um, because we do have several Ashley stores here in Oklahoma Um, however with meeting with the people from Ashley, who also has a very strong risk management team, right. they, uh, they've gone to great lengths to ensure that they're not going to have supply chain issues. Um, getting supplies from multiple vendors just like we do um, and stocking it so that they're not running short. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive, their organization. 
Um, but with that, um, we feel pretty good about it. Um, most of our vendors also will have some supply chain risk management um, in place so that they're not left doing nothing. Right, right. Um, so f- on that note, from a, like, a business continuity standpoint, so let's take for example one of your location uh, one of your locations it goes down because of a storm or something like that do you all have like procedures in place or a plan that you all practice or know that um, to go to another location or kind of rebuild or, or what's that what's that look like for you all uh, yes there there is a plan i don't we haven't really practiced it but okay. it's been discussed um, depending on which location it is um, but it would be a temporary location while we're rebuilding. Okay. Um, with with obviously heavy advertising to get people to go to the new location. Right. Okay. So what's something in risk management right now that kind of excites you or something new that you're looking into? Cyber risk. Cyber risk? Yes. Um, realizing that your, your threat from a cyber perspective is coming from all over the world it's it's not someone coming into your store in Oklahoma and trying to steal information or data they can do it from an internet connection Um, I'm not very knowledgeable about all things computers and IT but um, I do understand that it would be it could be done easily um, and the great links that our IT department goes through to make sure that that doesn't happen and also with within that idea is um, keeping people's credit card information and all those things safe at the point of sale loca- at point of sale devices. Right. Um, it there are um, there are a lot of different ways. We have a uh, loss prevention uh, director here that's very knowledgeable about all of these things, and he tells us stuff all the time, and it just frightens us more. But <laughs> right. But because we know what's current, we're able to look out for it and do our best to, to mitigate those risks. Absolutely. That, no, that's great to know. And as far as you mentioned IT, the IT department and loss prevention, and um, it, are there collaborative conversations going on around that as far as, you know, what does our IT look like and how are we protected and how does insurance integrate into that? Yes. Okay. We've, we've been doing this for several years now. Um, we actually work together in, in groups for, um, you know, PCI compliance, uh, pay card industry compliance. Right. Um, With like the chip in it, right? Yeah. yeah well, okay. that's, that was part that's of it. part of it. Um, that's helped. Um, but just, you know, having, having adequate cameras over the pay, uh, point of sale devices, uh, training for the staff, making sure they're checking IDs and those kinds of things. Um, but also t- protecting our servers, determining should this does this have to be online? Can it be offline? How can we transfer that data without an online connection? Uh, where to store backup tapes? Uh, all of those things we discuss at least quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of meetings up front trying to become pay card uh, industry compliant, but once we got that, we. Uh, we decided we should still meet quarterly and talk about what's new, uh, emerging risks, uh, and and that's been quite interesting. Yeah, no, I've I've sat through some um, conferences or classes with insurance carriers, and they mentioned a large part of 
um, cyber exposure is the employees itself or um, just training on employees. So training them not to click on those links and emails and that sort of yes. thing. We, uh, we still struggle with that um, to this day, but they've, they've managed to segregate the email server from the others. Okay. So, I mean, so there's a firewall in between. There, yeah. Uh, or, I don't know if it's even a firewall or just a completely separate system. Okay. So that, that doesn't, or because it still happens. Um, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but I, you know, if you're trying to scroll through an email and you, you know, you hit your finger hits a link and you're like, Oh no. And you know, inadvertently opening things right. happens even. Um, so they've, I don't know exactly all the technical ways they've done it, but they've segregated that off so that it, the email server doesn't combine uh, with our, our customer database. Okay. Now that's, that's a great approach, I feel like. Um, so from, you know, we mentioned employee training. How do you instill a, a culture of safety, you know, a safety culture with employees? Um, how do you keep it on the top of their minds? And is there training involved that you all participate in? Yeah, so we do uh, training with all the new hires, um, and I've got a guy here in Oklahoma City named Aaron Hartman does a great job of that. Um, so instead of the the uh, approach of we just preach to you, we do it in a conversational format, and then we do follow up training. Um, but he he's out and about and all the safety people everywhere at all of our locations they're always out and about but in, not in a hey you're breaking the rules kind of a way but hey what's going on how are you guys doing everything okay you see any problems and uh, we try to work with people instead of just you know going and beating them up for right. doing it wrong that's you know then if you my opinion is if you do that then the people are just going to hide stuff uh, so we want to talk to people. Hey, if this isn't a good way of doing it, help us out. What do you suggest? We've we've had come up with some great processes for safety that have improved our workers' comp claims tremendously, just by having open conversations. Um, it, it's easy for us to sit here at a desk and think we understand how the furniture gets unloaded from a truck. Actually, seeing it happen and talking to the guys who do it. Is, is quite eye-opening. Um, not everything comes in a perfectly square box. Right. So you can't just have a, this is why the way every truck has to be unloaded. And it makes them feel a part of the process, too, and having that buy-in as an employee, saying, hey, we're helping affect the safety culture, and we understand the big picture of how this affects the workers' comp and the company as a whole. Absolutely. Um, and, and so they like... They like being a part of the solution instead of us just telling them, no, we know how this is best done. We, we acknowledge you guys do this every day. You're, you know how it needs to be done right. and what can't be done. We need you to tell us that. Um, and approaching people from that way um, has been very successful. They seem to be a lot more open to conversations. Um, even the newest people will converse with us it seems to be openly because we approach them with, we understand that you're going to be the expert in this and it's not us. So we need you to tell us, right. Can this work? Will this work? Is there a better way? Um, and work through those with them. It won't be a one-time conversation. We go back and check with them. Hey, is this working? Are you really still doing it this way? Or was it tweaked and we just don't know it? Um, 
but by having these open conversations without the threat of punishment or whatever, uh, we've, we've, we feel like we have a better handle on it now than we did maybe early on. Yeah. I'm sure that brings a lot of innovative ideas to the table because they're in a, you know, day in and day out doing that, those activities. And it's how do we consistently implement those strategies over a long period of time? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when we realize these guys are, you know, they all have great ideas. Sometimes you can't do them and, you know, uh, but, but they're willing to talk about it as long as you approach them in the right way, uh, which has been really good. Um, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way about thinking we know when we really don't. Right, right. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's been quite eye-opening. Uh, we've, we hear a lot of people talking about millennials and those kinds of things, but, you know, we go have conversations with them every day, and they talk just fine, and they have great ideas, and they participate. So I'm not really sure what the issue yeah. is. Well, that's good to know. I appreciate the positive feedback on that as a millennial. So, um, so as a risk as the risk manager for Mathis Brothers, how do you stay on top of emerging risks within the industry, especially you know in the in the retail industry? Um, a lot of I try to communicate a lot with my peers, um, but also reading periodicals. I talk to our insurance broker a lot, but I also talk to every insurance broker I know. Um, I, I just search for it all the time. What's new? What's going on? Um, it, you know, and like I said earlier, this is an industry that I feel like everybody likes to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's trying to keep a secret and right. corner the market on something. Right. So uh, it's, you know, so far it hasn't been hard to find. Um, I, I would like to get better at being a part of more groups, but I'm, I have a limited amount of time. Right. There's only so much time in the day, right? Yes. And my employer still needs me to work, so I can't just be out <laughs> yeah, at seminars important. all the time. That's important. <laughs> yes. Um, so you mentioned the broker relationship. How you know how important is that relationship to you as a risk manager and gathering information and just benchmarking and, and knowing what's happening in the insurance marketplace? Oh, it's huge. Um, to develop a level of trust with them to know that, you know, if I come to them with a problem, they're they're going to be honest and upfront about what's going on and not worrying about losing the business. So we, we've been very big on having a great relationship with them over the years. Um, our, our broker actually had a relationship with Don Mathis, who started the company with his brother. Oh, so, wow, yeah. Um, so the familiarity... Uh, over the years um, has helped but it, it's very comforting to know I can call and ask a question and not get the well let me let me see if this is gonna hurt me or you're gonna leave me or whatever kind of deal uh, and just getting an answer uh, and if they don't have the answer they find the answer um, but it, it's it's huge it's a blessing uh, I came from a place where we used to shop insurance every year and you know there's not a trust factor there and it was it always felt like if i asked a question they would have to analyze whether it was a you know a trap or a trick or i was going to use it to leave them right they're trying to play chess with it yeah yeah, it was it was definitely that great analogy a chess match and it's like no no, i just need an answer we're in the middle of a policy period and i'm trying to understand and uh, i never really got that but when i came here from day one they would he would just 
whatever I asked, he had an answer. Um, and because he was here so long, I got a lot of history quickly. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. So, yeah. To he, have that background. He was huge and still is. So it, it seems like that broke relationships, re- relationship, the center of that is trust. Yes. So for the brokers out there listening, what's what's a good way to build that trust? Is it just the length of time and experience in building that relationship, or are there certain things that your broker does to, to build that trust? Um, I, th- I think being quick to answer a question, even if it's not a good answer, um, some t- you know, some bad news is, you know, if it's the truth, that's what you should say, and you should be quick about it. Um, I think that most risk majors know that not everything is great. Right. Um, we're kind of built for bad news. So just being upfront about it, you know, this, this risk wasn't covered. Okay, why wasn't it? Let's figure out where we went wrong so we don't do that again. Um, I think those things should just be upfront about it. I, that makes me trust people more than, a, well, let me figure out, let me find my notes. You know, if you know what happened, you should just say it. Uh, I think we all know that everybody makes mistakes. We miss things, um, and that's how we learn. So we need to learn from it. I, it frightens me more to think that we're not going to learn from it because we're covering it up. Right. That would that would be worse by far. Yeah. Because um, a mistake doesn't make me mistrust you. It just makes me know that you're human also. Right. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. What are for you? as a risk manager in the program, what are some top priorities that you have over the next five years for the program and how do you see it evolving? That, uh, five years is quite a long okay. time actually. <laughs> um, really, I, I think the program, I don't see a lot out there that's changing interestingly enough. Okay. Um, surprisingly, but just maintaining um, the knowledge and staying in front of uh, what's going on and trying to make sure that the program still fits uh, what we're doing and the number of locations we have. Uh, our, our biggest challenge is making sure that we're still doing enough training and communicating with everyone. Um, we did learn that just because something works great in Oklahoma, it doesn't work great in California. Um, and so not ending the conversation in Oklahoma City because that's where I'm at, but knowing we should have that in every other location as well. Um, and those really are the risks, I think, to our risk management program is thinking you have it figured out and not in stopping the conversations. Uh, continue to talk to everyone Um, about the safety program, about how they're managing their department. If if sales, for instance, changes their procedures, we may, if we're not communicating with them, we may find out that 30 people are driving to customers' houses every day. Mm -hmm. We, you know, those are things we want to know up front, not after there's an accident. Um, Making sure they're the right drivers and that we have them in the right vehicles, uh, giving them the right tools to do that job. So it sounds like what you're saying, you know, communication is really important as far as throughout each department within the organization. What are some ways that you've learned over the years to communicate to different departments to kind of share that message of of safety, if you will? 
Um, I, I think it's like I'd been talking about going and talking to people. Okay. Um, but having conversations with them instead of everything being about you guys sit down and I'm going to teach you something. We just sit down at a table and have a conversation about it. Hey, my department wants to work on this. What do you guys think about that? What are you guys doing that's different? Where do you see yourself in a year? Um, any plans to do things differently than we're doing it now? What do you think about what we're doing now? Um, because some things happen in retail really quickly. Right. Um, as large as this organization is, they can change a process overnight, uh, which is quite impressive. But knowing that people have other ideas kind of gives you something to look out for and to touch base with them on. Um, so I email a lot of my coworkers here regularly. Hey, I know we talked about this before. You, what are you guys thinking about that? Does that still sound like a good idea? Any chance you're moving toward changing to that? Um, and if you remember to ask the questions, they will tell us. But if we forget, they'll forget to get with us because they're doing their own deal right. also. So the follow-up really is in my court. To so do. asking the right questions and then the follow-up to those questions. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and hey, I'm not trying to beat you up and bother you, but right. hey, I don't want to forget about this. I know we talked about it. It sounded like a real interesting idea. Let's, uh, you know, I'm just wanting to make sure I stay uh, uh, stay up to speed on it in case you do it. Um, my part's easy if I know about it up front. Right. I can I can arrange it. We can come up with the right policy and procedure, and we can we can do it without a disruption. Okay. So, throughout your years in the risk management industry, what's what's been your greatest lesson that you've learned during that time? To not make assumptions. <laughs> To not make assumptions. What do you mean by that? So anytime there's a, a, a claim, you hear a version of the story, and you're not to make an assumption over that version of the story and to hear the other side. Um, you'll hear some very interesting things, and you're like, why would somebody do that? And then when you talk to the person who did the wrong, you realize they had a good reason. It may have still been a bad decision, but it wasn't that they randomly decided to violate a policy. Something else happened, and they were trying to overcome it and just did it in a bad way. Um, you know, why were you driving a lift truck without a harness on? Well, my harness broke, so I turned it in. I couldn't find another one, and my supervisor was telling me, I need this piece of furniture now. Well... So I got on the lift truck without the harness. Right. Uh, okay, well, so let's not do that. We'll find your harness in, in talking to people about that. Because up front, you you know, we know they were trained to not ever do that. So it just sounds really bad. He was driving a lift truck without a harness, and they're like, what in the world? Yeah, if you're seeing that out of context. It's so one, you can get, that's a great point. So you get context by talking to the other side instead of just going, this guy's not a good fit. Right. There, you know, there was a reason that things happened. And by talking to people about it, uh, you can let supervisors know and it helps them actually build a relationship. Hey, I really wish you would have told me that. I could have gotten you another harness. We have several of them in a storage room uh, and we didn't need to risk your safety for that. Um, and it, it helps build relationships even between the supervisors and their yeah. employees. Yeah, that's a really great point to, to use that negative uh, situation and turn it into a positive and 
to help build that relationship between their superiors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't feel like, and I think this organization doesn't believe that being negative is a relationship builder. Um, we try to take a negative and learn from it and make it a positive buy, but through collaboration, not just someone at the top pointing down and telling people how to do things, right. but having open conversations about it. Yeah, those are not only great risk management lessons, but I think good life lessons too, you know, yes. in, in, in business in general. So. Uh, yeah, I've, I've even used them with my son. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Having a conversation instead of just preaching to him all the time. Right. It's all how about how you approach the situation. So. Yes. Well, Charles, I really appreciate your time today, and um, just thank you for, for making time and appreciate what you do and at Mathis Brothers. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right.